0: You guys ready? You look ready. You guys are awesome. <laughs> well, we're, getting, we're, we're continuing in our series on the healer, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the healer. And today we're going to look at opening the door. Opening the door to the healer. Because recently, you know, we looked at this scripture the last, last two weeks in Malachi 4, 1-2. through It says, but you who fear my name... The Son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. So we see that when Jesus comes, the healer, when Jesus comes, he has healer, healing in his rays, in his wings. Just as the sun rises and is constant, is always constant, so the healing of God is always constant. It's God's will for you to be healthy. It's God's will for you to be healed. That's his will, and it never changes. Just like the sun, it never, ever cha- changes. But the question is, is why sometimes it seems hard to receive our healing? And we looked, at, we looked at different clouds that come in and block the healing rays of Jesus Christ. And we need to know that, regardless of the cloud cover, the sun still shines. You realize that if you lose hope that the sun in the sun, there's no, there's no chance for you to receive from God. If you re- lo- lose hope that God's will is for you not to be healthy, if God's will is for you not to be healed, that's a that's a cloud that you'll never. Get out of the way, and it doesn't matter what you believe. The truth is, is that the sun's still shining, even at night. The sun's still shining. Do you know that? The sun never stops shining. It's constant, and so is the will of God for you to be healed. All these clouds are on our end, not God's. God's God is not your problem. God is not our problem. He's our solution. And God's made healing available and is not holding it, withholding it from anyone. So you should be questioning yourself. You know, if God's will is for me to be healed and and it's constant, never changing, there's always an endless supply, why am I not receiving? And we looked at these different things. There can be more than these ten. But we looked at the lack of knowledge. A lot of people don't even know that it's the will of God for them to be healed. We looked at the uncertainty concerning God's will. Misunderstanding of the old covenant laws. That's a big one. That's a huge one. Sin and living in known, habitually unrepented sin. And you might be thinking, well, I thought Jesus forgave me from all those sins. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about if, if it, God is always willing for me to be healed... How can I stop the will of God? Traditions of men, demonic assault, not discerning the Lord's body, dishonoring our parents, unbelief and strife. These are all things that can keep us from receiving from God. Does God hold healing back from you if you have any of these hindrances in your life? That's a question. Does he hold healing back from you if you have these hindrances in your life? No, he doesn't hold it back. So why... Do we have such a hard time receiving? First of all, how do you receive from God? How do you receive from God? How did you receive salvation? By grace, right? You receive salvation by grace through faith. What is grace? That's God's part. That's his unmerited favor. That's his supply. That's his power behind it. The faith is our part. And what is our faith? Our faith is in his faithfulness. Our faith is in his grace, his ability, his will, his nature. That's what our faith is in. Because when we say that we lack faith, you know what you're saying? I lack trust in God. But religion, even Pentecostal and Charismatics, we turn faith into a work. I have to build up my faith. I have to build up my belief. I, it's my, my, my. Who's, who are we focusing on in that? Us. But our faith is supposed to be in Jesus. Our faith is supposed to be in his ability, in his grace. So faith is so simple. That's why Jesus says you have to have faith as a child. Faith is just simply trusting God to be God. Trusting God to be who he says he is. How are you made righteous? How are you made righteous? How do you receive the righteousness of God? By grace, through faith. You believe that you've been made the righteousness of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's not through striving, it's not through working, it's not through doing enough penance or getting your attendance marked at church. It's simply by trusting and believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ that he has made you righteous. How are you delivered from destruct- destructive behaviors? How, how are you delivered from stru- destructive behaviors? I'm telling you, it's by grace through faith. It's not about self-will. It's not about your own personal Um, Oh, Discipline It's not disciplining yourself There are disciplines But our disciplines should be Because of who Jesus Christ is Not trying to become A lot of people discipline themselves Trying to become something We discipline ourselves because of who we are How are you delivered From destructive behaviors From bondage, from sin By grace Through faith You believe that Jesus Christ has broke the power of sin over your life, broke the power of destructive behaviors in your life, and by faith you just embrace it. You say, it's mine. And you walk it out by faith. When a a thought comes in your head, when a a contrary thought that is contrary to the Word of God and who He says you you are comes in your head, you can't keep those thoughts from not coming in your head, can you? As I've heard Brother Hagin say, You can't uh, keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair, right? Those thoughts come into your head. And what are you going to do? Are you going to embrace that thought that I'm just a no-good sinner? I've always do this. uh, I'm addicted to this. I'm never going to break this sin. I'm never going to break this pattern. Do you embrace that as your identity? Or do you say, reject that and say, that's no longer who I am. I have renewed my mind to who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror through Him. The bondage of sin, sin and, and death in my life has been destroyed, and the power of the living God now lives in me. You reject that thought. How? Through trust in who you are in Christ Jesus. It's by grace. It's by faith. What do you really believe? What do you believe? How are your prayers answered? How are, we, how are our prayers answered? By praying a lot by getting the whole church to pray, by t- having a 24-hour prayer vigil. You know, if we, if we pester God enough, if we, keep him, if we stay up all night to keep Him up all night, then He'll just give us what we want. No, our prayers are answered by grace through faith. You have confidence in who Jesus Christ is. You know what the will of God is, right? And we have confidence and we ask And it says that we will receive. We will receive. So how do you walk in prosperity? How do you walk in prosperity? This is going to blow your mind. You walk in prosperity by giving a whole bunch of money away? No. You walk through prosperity, in the prosperity of God, by grace, through faith. That Jesus Christ became poor. That for, for our sake, that we might be made rich in him. We walk in prosperity because we are in the kingdom of God, and God supplies to his children. Right? Right? Yeah, it's by grace through faith. Do you believe that? There's a lot of people that don't believe it. And you don't have to believe it. You'll still go to heaven. We'll all see you there. But there's a lot of things that God wants to get done here on the earth. And he gets it done through his body. So we need some of you to believe it, okay? <laughs> so how do you receive healing and divine health? By grace through faith. It's simply trusting, relying, and believing on the grace, the favor, the, the empowerment of Christ and working in your life. That's how, it, that's how it works. That's how it works. These hindrances do not stop God. But they block the door of faith that grace comes through. Do You know, understand this. Faith is nothing more, I'm trying to give you a visual, is nothing more than a door. It's getting God's super into your natural. Right? God's super into your natural. And doubt and unbelief, these hindrances that we've talked about, will shut the door of faith. You trusting and relying and and concentrating on the promises of God. We take our eyes off God, and what do we do? We put them on what's happening in our life. We put them on the world that's looking to rob, kill, and destroy. Instead of Jesus Christ that has come to give us life, and life to the full. So faith is nothing more than a door. We've made faith so hard. It's simply opening the door and allowing God to be God in your life. It's not about working up a bunch of faith. It's not about working up a bunch of excitement. Now, when you're in faith, you will get excited. There will be manifestations in your life. Your whole outward appearance will change when you're in faith. But we don't get into a frenzy to produce faith. If faith comes first, and then the outward appearance comes. You understand what I'm saying? But it's by grace. We receive by God's grace. And here's another visual for you. I, we all know that we are a triune being. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in this earth suit called a body, right? To be absent from the body is to what? To be present with the Lord, correct? And in our spirit is what? The Son of Righteousness. Our spirit has been transformed. With the spirit of Christ, Christ dwells in our spirit. That's where all the grace of God dwells is in our born again spirit, our spirit. Right? So we got the things of God that's trying to flow and be manifest into our body. Trying to flow through this pipe and be manifest in a body. But our soul is that check valve. Is that the correct term, John? You know? Whatever it's a water valve, right? There's a, our soul is the water valve that is the connector between the body and the spirit. Okay, that's actually our heart and our spirit, our, our our soul and our spirit makes up the heart of a man, the core of a man is his soul and his spirit, right? So we have we have the spirit of God that's been made just like Jesus trying to get into our body to manifest in this earth so that the earth sees the sons of God, the sons of righteousness. But our soul, our mind, will, and emotions affects this flow. It affects this flow. And this is where there's hindrances come in. This is where wrong believing comes in. This is where faith, the door of faith happens, is in our mind. That's why after you're born again, Over and over and over again, it declares that we're supposed to be renewing our mind, transforming our mind, not being conformed to this world, right? So we're supposed to be renewing our mind to what? The things of God. The things of God. So if your mind is filled with doubt, if your mind is filled with negative things about God, negative things about the earth, negative things about yourself, you turn that valve the wrong way. And it shuts the flow, it shuts, it stops God from being unable to work in your life. Is the flow still there? Is God still wanting to work in your life? Yes, he is. But what we do is we put our thoughts on doubt, unbelief, negative, and the thing of it is is what I mean by doubt and unbelief, it might be real. It might be real in your life, right? It's fact, But if it's contrary to what the Word of God says, it's not truth. It might be a fact, but it's not a truth. Truth overrides facts. The truth, when you find the truth about something, it can change your facts. You understand? So this is what I'm trying to get across to you, is that these hindrances don't stop the will of God from flowing in your life. What we believe about God, what we believe about his word, what we believe about ourselves and who we are in Christ Jesus dictates how much of the flow gets across into our physical body. Right? And it's just not about physical healing. It's about mental health. Right? Depression, negative thoughts, suicide. all We live in a, a time when... Kids are cutting themselves, I mean, just have a terrible self-image of themselves. And it's because they don't know who, they don't see themselves as how God sees them. They don't see themselves, you you don't see yourself as special, as a creature that was designed by God in the mother's womb. No matter who your mother was, no matter who your father was, God still had a purpose and a plan for you, even if they didn't. Even if they didn't. They don't see themselves that way. They see themselves the way the world says that they are. Depression. You know, we, we try. What we do is we try to medicate the 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 fruit rather than the the symptoms rather than the root. See, we see that someone with depression has a whole bunch of chemical imbalances in their life. Those chemical imbalances happen because of their thinking. They think a certain way, and it releases chemical. Their body releases chemicals in their body, right? Your mind controls your body. Is that true? Right? And you start thinking a certain way. Your body says, well, this must be truth. So it starts condemning itself. Condemnation, guilt, fear, all these things can do devastating things to your body. So if you're constantly thinking that I'm no good, that God doesn't love me, nobody loves me, there's no plan for my life, what's the sense of even living? If that's what you're always thinking about, you're condemning your very self, your very body. You're condemning yourself. But if you renew your mind to what God says about you, and you see yourself in the light of what the Bible says that we are in Christ Jesus, it changes your whole appearance, it changes your whole outlook. You know I, I can tell there's I can tell when people have spent they come in on a Sunday morning or I talk to them and they are flying high. They are excited. And I, you find out what they've been doing. They they've been they've been reading their bible. They've been seeking God. They've been listening to worship music. And you can they, you change. Right? You change. Can I get a right? Okay, thank you. You change. Why? Because you're in faith. And what is faith? Simply you're 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 spending time believing who God is, and you're allowing it to affect your being. That's why that's why we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Not of the world. This is a whole different paradigm shift to, to how our culture, our culture is. Clouds can hinder us from receiving from God. But God's will to heal is constant. It's as constant as the sun. And I hope that this kind of makes you understand this a little bit. That you need to open the door of faith in your life. And now we're going to look at some examples. I'm excited about these scriptures we're going to go through because I get excited about seeing Jesus work. We're going to look at, we're gonna look at uh, some examples here in just a little bit of Jesus ministering to people. But first of all, in James chapter 1, 5 and 8, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay, let's stop right there. What does it say will happen? If you need something from God, if you need wisdom from God about a situation, do you know that all of the problems that you face in your life is a lack of wisdom? Do you know that, that, that cancer, in the med, let's just look at the medical field, is just a lack of wisdom? If you could have the wisdom to know how to destroy those rogue cells, it'd be over, right? Every situation, your financial situation now is a lack of wisdom. Your marriage situation, your relation is a lack of wisdom. It's all due to a lack of wisdom. And, and James says, if any of you, this is the brother of Jesus... So he, you know, he, he's seen how Jesus operated, okay? I'd hate to be the brother of Jesus. <laughs> well, I guess he calls us brothers now, but, but think about that. Growing up with Jesus, that'd be horrible. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. And what does God do? He gives to how many? All, liberally. That means in abundance. He's not holding anything back from you right? And without reproach. What's reproach? Come on. Any of you men in here that's ever worked with your dad and you ask him a question and he answers you like you're stupid? What are you asking me that for? You should know this, right? Anybody ever experienced that? That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about when you ask God, he doesn't treat you like that. He doesn't treat you like, what are you coming to me again for? Why are you asking me to do this? You should know better. You should know this. You you deserve what you're going through. No, that's not how God is. He gives liberally, and he doesn't reproach you. He doesn't reproach you. So what do we see? If we ask, what does he do? Let him ask of God, and he gives. And to, he gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God gives, and he gives, right? He gives twice when you ask. When does it happen? When you ask. But look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will get anything from God. Is that what it says? No. It says, "Let not that man think suppose that he will receive anything from God." The problem isn't in your faith doesn't stop God from giving. Your faith stops you from receiving. Your doubt keeps God it keeps you from receiving what God has given you. You ask, he gives doesn't even check to see if you're in faith. You ask, he gives. Just by you asking, he says, they must be in faith. But what happens? The cares of this world start happening. We get busy. We don't, we don't spend time listening to the voice of God, expecting, expecting that wisdom to come. Or if it doesn't come, just like that. Do you know how many times I've asked a question of God, and two weeks later, he answers it? I mean, it just blows my mind. That's, that's the answer to what I asked two weeks ago. What happens is, is we are the ones that block God receiving from God. Because we get into doubt. We start wavering. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You can't be double-minded. You have to have your faith and trust in Jesus. You have to have your faith and trust in what the Word of God says. You have to have your faith and trust in our Father. You can't be double-minded. You can't be double-minded. But isn't that good news? That is such good news. See, some people get upset about this because they get upset. Wow, you're saying that it's all my fault? Yep. I, I, I have a hard time. I don't understand how people can say that it's God's fault. How? I, I, it, it doesn't even process. But it's such, good, it's such a relief to know that it's not on God's end. Because if it was God's end, there ain't nothing we can do to change it. There is nothing we can do to change it. But because we believe that it's on God's end, we have 24-hour prayer vigils. We have fasts. We have all these religious circus events that we do trying to get God to move in our presence instead of just embracing His grace by faith. Just embracing it by faith. Hmm. The man with palsy, the paralyzed man. This is a great, great story. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching... That there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So we see that Jesus is teaching, and what is there? What is there in their midst? The power of the Lord to heal them. Heal who? These Pharisees, these teachers of the law. It was there to heal them. The flow was there. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay him before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. So here's these guys, these guys that love their buddy, their buddy that was paralyzed. We don't know how he was paralyzed. He might have fell from a tower. He might have been skydiving. I don't know what he was doing. But anyways, <laughs> he was paralyzed, and, and his buddies loved him. And they had faith in who? In Jesus. If we could just get him to Jesus, they would be, he'd be healed. And when they got there, they show up and all of the religious fat cats were there. And the whole place was packed. The place was packed. They couldn't even get in there. Do you know how many people would pull in there and say, well, this must be a sign. It must not be the will of God to heal our buddy. It must not be God's will. Because if it was God's will, we'd walk up here and the doors would be open. They would be ushering us right in. We think this way, but no, that didn't stop them. They had faith in Jesus, and they got up on the roof, and they started ripping the tiles off the roof. I mean, I don't know if you could picture that. I don't know if you could picture this place being packed out where they couldn't get in, but, uh, but the tiles on the roof start caving in right here. Right here. We'd, be, we'd be so upset, but these men, these men didn't let it stop them. That's faith. That's faith. Now look at here. When when he saw their faith. When he saw their faith. Do you know I can't I can't see your belief. But you can see faith. Cuz faith has actions. I can't tell what you believe. But I can see what you have faith in. Because your language, your actions, everything you do dictates your faith. Faith without works is dead. Your works are your faith. Jesus seen their faith. And he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But God alone. Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. He was just sitting there a little while ago, and he didn't see any faith. But the the power of God was there to heal them nonetheless. Nonetheless. Right now in this church, the power of God is to heal you nonetheless. Nonetheless, just embrace it by faith. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, rise up and walk? That's a question. He asked him a question. What is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? I'll answer it for you. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because you can't see sins being forgiven. But when you tell someone to rise up and walk, they're going to have to rise up and walk. So to prove that he had the ability to forgive sins, he tells them, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Why do you think Jesus told him to go to his house? Because he wanted to get him out of that atmosphere of unbelief. Because up to that point, there was no, no one there that had faith. Because the power of God was there to heal them. And no one was getting healed until they showed up with faith. God's will was for every single person in that house, every single person that had anything wrong in their bodies to be healed. But one man got up and walked home. Immediately he rose up before them, took took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. God gets glory when people get healed. And they were amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. I used to to read this and I used to think, man, I can't wait till we get to a place where people leave the church and they say, we have seen strange things today. But really, we need to get to a place where people... This type of stuff isn't strange. This is normal. The woman with the issue of blood. Very familiar. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies to the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she will be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and the great multitude followed him and thronged him. So we see that as Jesus was going, he was being thronged. What's throng mean? It's not thong, it's throng. That means that people were all over him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things by many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And we know this story. First of all, according to the law of Moses, this woman should not have even been out in public, let alone in a crowd of a bunch of people allowing her to touch her because she was considered unclean. But I want to point out something here. What did, what did she do? Did she says, if only I can believe, only if I can believe, if only I can believe? No, she says, when, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, how he healed the sick, when she heard about all the wonderful things that he had done, when he heard about that he was filled with grace, that he was filled with compassion, that he turned no one away, Maybe she heard about what he said to the prostitute. Daughter, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. I neither do I condemn you. And she thought, maybe he won't condemn me for being in this crowd. Maybe he, if I can just get to him and just touch him, I will be made well. Notice what her faith was in. Her faith was in Jesus. It wasn't in herself. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? All these people were touching him. But one person touched him in faith. One person reached out to Jesus in faith. There's a lot of people praying today in churches. There's a lot of people worshiping in churches today. The question, are, question is, are they reaching out by faith? Or is it just a religious routine? Are they expecting God to move in their presence? Expecting God to move in their life? And the thing of it is, is that we don't even have to worry about touching Jesus anymore. Jesus lives inside of us. His spirit is within us. And by faith, we just have to open the door and let it flow. Let it flow. So all these people were touching Jesus, but only one person touched him in faith. And he looked around to see her Her who done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. Grace provided the healing, faith embraced the healing, faith received the healing. Jesus is grace. The substance of our faith. When you see Jesus in his grace, you will see he will see you in your faith. Do you realize that? That Jesus is grace. He is the grace of God to man. He is the goodness of God to man. He is the favor of God unto man. And when you see Jesus in his grace, that he's your provider, he is your all in all. If I just let the spirit of God, let the spirit of Christ flow in my life, I shall be made well. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. So here they come. They say that, you know, it's too late, it's over. Daughter's dead, and Jesus, what does he say? He says, see, this is the way I I picture it. You may picture it different, but I, I see Jesus saying, hey, this ain't no big deal. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Whatever situation you're in right now, hear Jesus in my voice right now. Hey, it's no big deal. I'm bigger than any situation that you're facing. Just believe. Believe that I am able to do this. Believe that I am willing to do this. Just believe. Blind Bartimaeus. And in case you're wondering what happened to the little girl, God, Jesus raised her from the dead. So, Blind Bartimaeus. So we've seen that the woman with the issue of blood, it was according to her faith. We've seen that the people that let down the man that was paralyzed before Jesus, he's seen their faith, right? Faith has something to do with this. Am I right? In Mark chapter 5, 46 and 48, it says, Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Okay, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Do you know what Bartimaeus means? The son of Timaeus. In the Greek, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Think about this guy. He was a beggar. He was blind. And he was never even given a name. He was not even given a name. This, this guy had nothing. He was just known as the son of Timaeus. Think about how unworthy this guy must have felt. Think about how hopeless this man must have been. So, if you think you've got to be somebody to receive from Jesus, you're wrong. If you think you've got to be some religious super duper, you're wrong. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. Oh, that's just the son of Timaeus. That's just a blind be- beggar. Who's that screaming over there? I don't know. I don't know who he is, but he, he's the son of Timaeus. <laughs> I don't know his name. He was never given a name. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Look at this. Then all the religious people get changed attitude. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. They were just telling him to shut up just a little while ago. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that interesting that Jesus would have to ask that? Because his faith had something to do with it. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now they're not calling the son of Timaeus. They're talking about, they're calling him the man that was blind, that was healed by Jesus. That's who they're they're calling him now. But what made him well? His faith. And what was his faith in? His faith was in Jesus. Right? When he heard about, it was Jesus of Nazareth. When he heard, it was Jesus coming he had faith in Jesus, the healer, that he was able to do this. And Jesus says, "According to what you believe, you've received." What do you believe about Jesus this morning? I mean, this blind man—he had nothing else to put his faith in but Jesus. He was a beggar. He was blind. He didn't even have a name. He didn't even have a name to have pride in. He had no, nothing to put his faith in but Jesus. And maybe that's what our biggest issue is, is that we have so much to put our faith in. You go to you see some of these crusades in Africa and in, in these third world countries, and you see hundreds of thousands of people coming out to him. And you see thousands upon thousands of people being healed. Thousands and thousands of people receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. I think the biggest thing is, is that they have nothing else to put their faith in but Jesus. We have so many distractions. We have so much more to put our faith in, don't we? You, could, you just need to concentrate on one thing, your faith in Jesus Christ and be made well. The Roman centurion now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadf- dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. That's amazing. He didn't have to say, you know what, let me pray about this. I've got to figure out what the Father's will is for your servant before I go and pray for him. He says, I will come and heal him. Very, Very simple. Look at this. Then the Ceturian answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he doesn't. This is authority. We need to understand authority. If you are not under authority, if you don't put yourself under authority, you know what that means? You have no authority. You have no authority. Jesus put himself under the authority of the Father. He became a man. He put himself under the authority of the Father. And what did Jesus come to do? He came to do the will of the Father. Correct? Right? Me, as a pastor... I have to put myself under the authority of Jesus. If I don't put myself under the authority of Jesus, I have no authority. I have no power to back up this office of a pastor. You understand that? I have to submit to who Jesus is and what Jesus is telling me to do. I have to submit to Him, and that's where my authority comes from. You, as believers, have authority. By submitting yourself to the will of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you realize that? All authority was given to Jesus, and Jesus says, now you go in my name. You go in my authority. By putting yourself, by seeing yourself. That's what the centurion was saying. I understand authority. I understand that you are of God, and God is working through you, and you... Whatever you ask, whatever you ask, it gets done. You have authority because you have God working through you. I understand that because I am a man under authority. What authority was he under? He was under the authority of Caesar. He had the power of Rome behind him. Right? So when he said do something, it got done. When Jesus tells you to do something, it should get done. Why? Because you are under authority. And when Jesus tells you to do something, that's when you're going to start seeing things happen. Because you have the power of Jesus Christ behind you. That's That's a whole different teaching, but we need to understand this. We need to understand this. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You know how we read that? If you've got a mountain in your life, start complaining about it. Start complaining about the mountain. And then if you want to be spiritual about it, you start praying to God and complaining about the mountain. That's not what Jesus said at all. He says, you talk to that mountain about your God. You talk to that mountain about your God, you should be talking to the mountain. Why? Because you have authority. Do you believe that you have authority this morning? That Jesus Christ is backing up what you say? Come on, let's turn that spigot. Let's open the door. Let's let faith faith flow. So this man understood authority. We need to understand authority. When you pray, you have the power of God behind you, backing up your prayers, because you are a child of the living God. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He marveled. Jesus marveled. There's only two times that Jesus ever marveled. The first time, or this time here, he marveled at this man's faith. The other time was when he was in his own hometown and he could do many mighty works and he marveled at their unbelief. I want Jesus to marvel at my faith. Don't you? Don't you want Jesus marvel at your faith? He says, he marveled and said to those that, who followed him. He's talking to the preachers. Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. He's saying, this guy has more faith than you guys. Why? Because he understood authority. Not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed the same hour. As you believe. As you believe, it will be done. As you believe. And the reason why Jesus said that there were many people that will be, that's supposed to be their children of the kingdom. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about those that are of the Old Testament covenant. Because they do not believe who Jesus is and the authority that Jesus has. That's what saves you. Jesus' authority to save you is your faith and your trust in that. We have to understand authority. And we have to understand that we're under authority. And if you're under authority, you have authority. But great, he says, great is your faith. I've not found such great faith. Great faith. And this is a Greek word. And it's to tos tos T-O-S-O-O-T-O-S. Okay? And it means great, large, and much. So this centurion had great, large, or much faith. And this is important because of what we're going to look at here in a little bit. So this guy had great faith because he understood authority. The Siren, Siren Phoenician woman's daughter... In Matthew 15, 21 and 28, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And right there, if we were talking about today, that's where it ends. If someone came to the preacher today, and he didn't answer you a word, you're coming, begging, and pleading for them to pray for your daughter, that's what it it did. Or it might continue, and she went her way and talked how mean the preacher was. But this isn't where this ends, because she had Faith. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. So here we see that Jesus ignored her. Now her disciples are rejecting her, and she keeps on coming. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered, and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now he's, Jesus is calling her a dog. See, people think, might think that Jesus was rejecting her, but he wasn't rejecting her. Understand something. She was, not, she was not a child of Abraham. She had no right under the old covenant. Another gospel says, I must go unto Jerusalem first. Why do you why do you think Jesus had to go to the Jews first? Because they were in the old covenant, and they were going to reject him. He was going to crucify him. They were going to crucify him, and then he could come unto the Gentiles to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, that the whole world might be blessed through him. You understand that? So he wasn't rejecting, it wasn't denial, it was delay. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. He's calling her a dog now. Why? Because she was not a Jew. And, he said, and she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. She, her faith was so great that she reached into the future and pulled it into to the, to where she was right then. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. Oh, woman, can you hear Jesus? We just read, oh, woman, oh, woman, great is your faith. Maybe it has some English accent to it. But he was like, oh, woman, great is your faith. And remember the centurion? He said that he had great faith. He said that his faith was much or large. This Greek word for great is the word megas. Where we get our word mega from. Jesus literally is saying, your faith, you have mega faith. You have mega faith. Oh, woman, you have mega faith. Let us be a church that has mega faith. Amen? Great is your faith. Mega faith. This woman had mega faith. Have faith in the grace of God. Our faith, our faith isn't in our works, our faith isn't in our own righteousness, our faith isn't in our confessions or whatever religious routine you have, our faith is in God's grace. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And what is the grace of God? What is the grace of God? In John 1:14 through 18, it says, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and grace. And truth. So what was Jesus full of? What is Jesus full of? He's full of truth. He's full of the grace of God. And John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he who I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received. And grace for grace, Wave after wave after wave of God's grace. Flow after flow, a flow of God's grace. Continuing flow of God's grace. We have received of his little bit of grace, it says, right? No, we have received of his fullness. His fullness. His fullness. The fullness of the grace of God. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. The grace of God lives in you. For the law was given through Moses. The law was given through Moses. It shows distance, doesn't it, between God and man. It shows distance. God gave the law to Moses and Moses gave it to us. But look at what this says. But grace and truth came. It was a given. God came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came. Grace and truth came came and dwelt among us. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has declared Him. This morning, open the door. Open the door of faith and to receive His grace. The fullness of Christ, the fullness of grace dwells within you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Spirit of Christ lives in you? What could be, what, what, what could be impossible? Now you know why when Jesus says nothing is impossible to them that believe. Because the same grace that those people had faith in and reached out lives within us. And we just have to renew our minds to it. We have to embrace it by faith and receive it. We just have to receive it. Amen. This is good news. You guys should be happy. You should be excited. You should be happy. Because faith, if you believe it, you'll have an outward sign. It's going to change your whole outlook on life. That God is for you. He's not against you. That the grace of God is in you. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? Amen. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that the grace of God, the goodness of God, the empowerment of God, Jesus Christ himself lives in his body, the church. We thank you that we have all things and we lack nothing. We thank you that simply by childlike faith, we can open the door and have your super. Invade our natural. We thank you that we don't have to work for it. We don't have to slave for it. We don't have to beg for it. We're not like the, the woman that is just begging for crumbs from the master's table. We're, sit- we're sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're sitting at the banquet table. And we're going to sit down And we're going to enjoy everything that Jesus Christ purchased for us. For he is our grace, he is our truth, and it's in him alone that we trust and have faith in. And because of that, we can pray in Jesus' name and expect that authority to flow in our life. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we walk out these doors in victory in Jesus name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.carisnntc.org and remember you are deeply loved, highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.